The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday, reacting to the Green Bay Packers. Taking care of business against the Detroit Lions. That is all we are talking about. Just the pack attack. We'll ignore the Brewers losing to the Cardinals. No need to talk about that. We just let's keep the positive vibes of the Green Bay Packers getting their first victory of the season. Green Bay Packers having just an awesome second half. We're going to go over it all. We're going to talk about just overall reactions to the game, and then we'll get into star ratings. Then we'll look a little bit ahead to San Francisco, although we'll talk a lot about San Francisco as the week goes on. So definitely a lot of stuff to get to, a lot of things to talk about. A very impressive win if you are tuning in, uh, heading home from Green Bay. I know the rains are bad, safe travels. Um, This will be up probably around midnight, so hopefully you're already halfway through it or you're out of the shit. Well, regardless, hope you're doing all right. All right, let's talk about the Green Bay Packers and their win against the Detroit Lions. So 35-17, Packers win this game. I thought that Green Bay really played a awesome second half. Like that second half was the team I saw all last year. The team that I had watched look like a Super Bowl champion for basically the entire year. The Packers finally put the hammer down and made things happen. And it started with the Green Bay Packers getting the ball first drive and scoring. They went down the field right away, scored. Then they started to fluster Jared Goff, and then they got more points. The defense grew more confident, and all of a sudden, the Green Bay Packers looked like the team that everybody expected them to be. So what is it? So what changed? What is the big sort of reveal? I just think it's time, guys. Like, when I'm thinking about this, as I'm trying to think through and I have a bunch of notes of what happened in this game, I think it's actually really simple. I think the Packers just needed time to be with each other. And they needed time to work with each other. You heard me last week, being or last week, last Sunday, being very adamant about that the Packers needed to have some preseason time together. The fact that Aaron Rodgers was not around this whole offseason had something to do and as Peyton Manning pointed out and we'll talk about Peyton and Eli the Packers played frustrated last week Aaron Rodgers especially the Packers acted like the NFC Championship was still there and now we know what that's like when a team lets that type of shit linger I mean that was the entire 2015 Green Bay Packers after 2014 excuse me 2014 Packers after the fake the Brandon Bostic play, not the Fail Mary. A lot of horror stories in Seattle. But after the Brandon Bostic play, that team let that Brandon Bostic play stick with them for weeks. And the Green Bay Packers have finally kind of flushed the NFC Championship. That, to me, was one of my biggest takeaways, is that they're over that NFC Championship loss, and it is a new year. And all of a sudden, the calendar turned. Now, did the Packers look crisp at the start of this game? No, they didn't. They looked terrible. But we're not going to talk too much about that first half. We'll talk about it. But I, I really do want to focus on the second half and where everything seemed to change. Everything seemed to be an awakening and 
people were starting to get the routes they were supposed to. Aaron Rodgers was making some ridiculous passes and finding just holes where there really shouldn't have been a hole. The pass to Devontae Adams was crazy. The dime to Robert Tunyon for the touchdown was absolutely ridiculous. Those were vintage Aaron Rodgers throws. And it was a guy who basically... Last week, everyone's like, well, is he a sleeper cell? Is he trying to basically, you know, fuck over the Packers? And, of course, that was ridiculous, and that was just a complete troll. And Aaron Rodgers talked about the trolls after the game. It's nice to get the trolls off her back. And as Greg Matzik pointed out, like, when Aaron Rodgers has a chip, we all know he's great. So I think in a weird way, Rodgers getting his ass kicked in week one was the best thing for him because he realized he's like all right you guys doubt me you guys think that we're not this good we're good we just need time together and even though the Packers have so many guys back it's all a matter of just gelling and the Packers had not really gelled just yet and I think preseason had a factor not in terms of not playing but Remember, Matt LaFleur, and I I think I talked about this last week, and if I didn't, I apologize. Matt LaFleur talked about, in August, how last year was so much better because they didn't have any preseason games. And that they were able to just keep practicing, practicing, practicing. And so when you saw the Packers look so sharp against the Minnesota Vikings in Week 1 last year, that was sort of an indication of it, is because... All they were doing was be in the lab practicing and working on their craft and getting stronger as an offense and getting stronger as a defense. And so the fact that Green Bay didn't have that same consistency, I did think threw them off, especially with all the shit going around with Aaron Rodgers. But now Green Bay looks like the team that we expected to see all season. Now there will be doubters. There will be people that will tell you to load up on San Francisco this week. Personally, I'm not that impressed with San Francisco this so far this season, but we, we won't talk too much about it because people will say, all right, it was one half. What's one half? Well, you have to understand here, this is not something where it is immediately all systems go. Some teams have that. Like the Chiefs, I think offensively you could say that. I even think the Ravens offensively, crazy enough with how many injuries they've had. I think you can say that. But You've seen Buccaneers are another one where it's like all systems go. Rams, another good example. Where, But there, there are going to be teams where it's not always going to connect. Like look at the Bills, right? Bills are a good example of the opposite. Like the Bills won 35 to nothing, but I think it left people cold. No one was really impressed with what the Bills did. And the Bills have went two weeks now where I don't know if people understand if they're real or not. You have. I'm trying to think of another good example. I mean, the Packers and Bills are certainly in that category of I don't know what they are. I think the Titans, in a weird way, are kind of like that, right? Like, Titans had a really bad game against Arizona, and then they have one good half against Seattle, and so now it's like, all right, what are the Titans? Now they play an Indianapolis team that's probably not going to have Carson Wentz, who sprained both his ankles like a putz that he is. And so... Again, it, it football just takes time. And, it, and I think we are so quick to judge. We're so quick to overreact because that is today's media. Everybody wants a soundbite. Everybody wants a clickbaity headline. And look, I'm guilty of it. I'm not on Mount Pius saying I'm any different, right? But the fact is, is like we do not have sometimes the patience to just let it breathe. 
And like I think that's kind of what we needed to do with this, at least with the Packers' offense. I still have some questions about the Packers' defense, which we can get to here in a second. But I, I, I really think that it's just a matter of time. That Green Bay is just needs that time to gel. And will they get it all right against San Francisco and Pittsburgh, two of the better defenses in the NFL? I don't know. It's going to be difficult, and we're going to break it down. I mean, the Packers and Niners have seen a lot of each other. I don't know. This is the first real test for the Niners because the Niners have faced Jalen Hurts and Jared Goff so far defensively. This is their first real test without Robert Salah. We'll see what this defense is made of without Robert Salah facing an actual quarterback that matters in, in football. Like, no disrespect to Hurts or Goff, but they're just not at Aaron Rodgers' level. I mean, they can't even sniff Aaron Rodgers' feet. That's how high Aaron Rodgers is above those guys. So I, I'm curious to see what that looks like. And then for the Steelers, I mean, Derek Carr kind of lit him up last week, even though, you know, they have this vaunted defense. Like, Derek Carr was dropping dimes on them last week. So how am I supposed to look at that and say, well, they have two tough defenses, so we're really just not going to know about this offense. They could easily revert back to that Saints game. And I, I do agree with like LaFleur and Rodgers both like, we got to come out faster, and I am a team advocate of take the ball if you win the coin toss. Like if you win the coin toss, don't defer. I've used to be a huge defer guy with this team. I would take that fucking ball because if you get the lead, even if it's a field goal, even if it's there, you're playing from ahead. The Green Bay just thrives in that playing from ahead mentality. Now, with Lafleur as their coach, they're now six and five if they are down at halftime. That is as good as it gets. Only the Chiefs and Seahawks, I think, have a better winning percentage in that time frame of Matt Lafleur being the head coach. That's pretty incredible if you really think about it. And so, yes, they they can play from behind. They have done it. But everything does feel a little out of sorts. I think sometimes Aaron Rodgers rushes things. I think Aaron Rodgers kind of wants the hero ball instead of just sticking with the plan, especially when they're trailing. So that's why I'd advocate, hey, take the ball and let this defense have a lead and play with confidence. Because the whole idea of Joe Barry's defense, the concept of it is it's a defense built for playing from ahead, not from playing from behind. Now, I think Joe Barry, another kind of time thing, like I think he he kind of figured out a little bit of his defense th- this this second half. Like I think this second half locked a lot of things for Joe Barry. Joe Barry started to send way more pressure. He started to send a lot more man coverage. He was moving Jair Alexander around. He was he played more Eric Stokes, less Kevin King. I think all of those things were key adjustments to kind of shutting down what the Lions were doing offensively. Now, the Lions also really didn't get on the field. They only, I think they only had like 12 or some plays in the second half. So, And that's predicated by the Packer offense, right? Because the Packers were moving the football. The Packers were pushing the ball down the field. That kind of led to less of the defense, which is always which is always a good thing. It's always a good thing to have that defense sort of not be on the field. I I will agree you should be concerned about this defense, but I got to tell you guys, like you're not facing a lot of good offenses here in the next few weeks. Facing an offensive mastermind in Kyle Shanahan, but Jimmy G, uh, whoever at running back, I have no idea who's running the football for them. Debo Samuel, yeah, they have some talent on the on the wideouts, but 
is Kyle Shanahan really going to win the game passing the ball 40 times? Because that's what he might have to do like with the running backs they have right now. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Obviously, I'm trying not to get to my head of myself with San Francisco. I was like, we'll talk about San Francisco later. I've already mentioned it a couple of times. I, to me, that's one of the biggest games on this on the calendar this year, um, in all honesty, with what happened last, over the offseason. So part of me for my excitement to talk about that. But the defense, going back to Joe Barry's defense in this game, it was absolute trash in the first half. Then he starts bringing pressure late. Peyton Manning killing him. For doing that, and I think Peyton Manning was right. Peyton Manning was like, "Look, you get pass interference, you could maybe get a, a guy get gets beat. Like, I would not play man in this situation. I do think a better quarterback might have roasted Joe Barry in that scenario. And I, I realize it's players play coach coach, whatever. But that pressure moved to the next half, and then you started to see Green Bay be more disruptive. Jonathan Garvin got in there. Rashawn Gary got in there." Preston Smith got in there a couple times. There's actually a fucking push from the defensive line. So, like, there was a lot more encouragement in that second half than there was in the first half. The first half was a complete nightmare. The second half, it it started to really sort of come together. So maybe, just maybe, it comes down to time. And it comes down to, can Green Bay continue to gel on the fly? Unfortunately, they're not the only team. But even though they brought a ton back, it does seem like they're not a cohesive unit just yet. If the second half is a predis, is is sort of the start of it all, if that is quote unquote the start of the championship DVD, as I've said with Chris Middleton, so be it. Right, the rain coming down, Packers making plays on defense, Aaron Rodgers throwing ridiculous balls, and that is the start of the DVD. I am all for it. As for our star ratings and where we want to go with the star ratings today, now if you're unfamiliar with the star ratings, this was something I did on the blog uh, for years, honestly. So it was pretty popular. A lot of people read it. I, I get that not a lot of people are reading blogs anymore, right? Like it's just not it's just not a thing that people read. I get it, okay? So instead of writing like 700 words and just absolutely draining the tank and, and it was a lot like you write a lot and it's just guys I felt like performed really well today guys I've thought that did okay and guys that were absolute shit and, and sometimes it's not things related to the game itself or it's some other intangibles I guess so like Peyton and Eli are going to find themselves on here Gronk and Favre on that broadcast are also going to find themselves on this list and we start with five rating, a five rating, which is a five star rating. So if you're at a restaurant and you see a five star rating, you know it's like one of the best restaurants in town. Four star, it's okay. Three star, it's probably a Taco Bell. Two star, it's probably a strip club buffet. One star, it's probably condemned. Uh, we, but you know, I don't know what. What do you think Chopsticks rating is on Google? Let's take a look here. Live look, Chopsticks. Uh, more background for those who don't know. If you aren't from Milwaukee, Chopsticks is an establishment, late night Chinese spot. One of my favorites. I've not ate there, I think, in like two years. It's been a while. And I kind of, at this point, am having a true hankering for it. 3.3? That's not bad. Chopsticks, 3.3? We'll take that. We'll take that any day of the week. That's that's a C. I'll, I'll be all right with that. All right. <laughs> Let's go with a star rating. If you wanted me to look up other um, 
restaurants, feel free. Just start pillaring me. We can do the star ratings restaurant of the game. That's to me, sounds like a branding opportunity. We might need to get marketing on that. Our first five star of the night, we have two five stars, goes to Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones, man, what a fucking night for Aaron Jones. Four touchdowns, three through the air, one on the ground. It was an absolutely incredible night for the Packers running back. And people assumed Aaron Jones would, might not be a Packer this year. People thought Aaron Jones would go to brighter pastures. I think a lot of people thought he'd go to Miami. And then when Aaron, Aaron Jones, not Aaron Rodgers, didn't get the deal that he wanted, though Aaron Rodgers could say the same thing, Aaron Jones came back to the Packers on a very team-friendly deal. And it has already worked out. Um, Aaron Jones was incredible tonight. Um, four touchdowns is just always special. When you're scoring four touchdowns in a game, that that is true, true dominance on the on your offensive position. Jones owns the Lions yet again. The Lions had trouble stopping Jones last year in Lambeau. They have trouble stopping him again in Lambeau. Six catches for 48 yards. Um, with six targets. So he caught everyone, every pass that was thrown at him. And then, yeah, 17 for 67. Not the best average, but still efficient. And I think the Packers offense runs through Aaron Jones. As much as people want to call Devontae Adams the best receiver in football and all the accolades that Tay gets, and he deserves a lot of them. I love Devontae Adams, don't get me wrong. I think Aaron Jones is the straw that stirs the drink. And he is the guy that I think the Packers need to rely on if they want to win games and if they want to keep winning games. I don't think it's Aaron Rodgers immediately. I think it is the running, the short passes, getting Jones out into the open because he is an absolute game breaker and he makes things so much difficult on the opposition because the opposition doesn't know, do I plan for Aaron Jones or do I have to worry about Aaron Rodgers taking me over the top? And when you're worried like that, you're absolutely fucked as an offense. So Green Bay needs to run the damn ball. They just do. They need to run the damn ball. And it's not established to run or any of those nerds like Evan Silva who like to make fun of teams for running the football. First of all, the Packers do a great job of having a consistent run-pass attack. And Silva's just a jealous fucking Bears fan, Okay. Don't, don't take anything he says seriously. He was a guy who shit all over Matt LaFleur, had a weird Mark Murphy conspiracy. Just the guy who went off the deep end. But whatever, I don't need to go there. Jones is that guy. I'm not saying he just has what the what Green Bay needs in that balance. And that give that, that's how Aaron Rodgers is great. And I hope Aaron Rodgers realizes that. I think he does. Sometimes I think he forgets it. Like that second drive of the game, right, where... Green Bay was basically pounding it down Detroit's throat. They were using a ton of Aaron Jones. They were mixing in Rodgers. And then Aaron Rodgers was like, all right, three straight passes. No Aaron Jones, punt. I hope that's like that reminder to Aaron Rodgers, like how much Jones means to him and how much Jones can basically make him a better player. So I hope that that's what, what Rodgers looks at when he looks at the tape as the week goes on because the offense should funnel through Jones. He is the glue. He is that straw, and he deserves a five-star. Other five-star, Peyton Manning, Eli, the broadcast. I watched the, the entirety of the Packer game on the Peyton and Eli broadcast. I absolutely love it. 
I have a reason to watch Monday Night Football. When the Packers didn't play on Monday nights, I always kind of was like, eh. Now, granted, ESPN, because they've reworked their relationship with the NFL, gave them a little tuggy in the back, they have now got way better games. Like Dallas-Philly is next Monday night. Chargers-Raiders the Monday night after. Like Those are good games. Those are legitimately good games. There's really not a a stinker in those first four weeks. I mean, you could argue Lions-Packers, but as a Packer fan, I'm never going to complain about my team playing on primetime, right? I would prefer a noon start every now and again, but I I will always take my team on primetime. There's there's nothing wrong with that. With that said, I was captivated by Eli and Peyton, and I was like, my wife is a big Peyton Manning fan, and I was like, all right, how much do you want to watch this? Are you interested in it? Is this cool? Do you like it? She's like, oh, you know, they're just wholesome. Like, I like hearing them talk. Like, there's no way she was understanding any of the nerdy football shit, like the cover one, the cover two. Like, I thought some of the things Manning said about Rodgers with the 12 man on the field, that to me was the best moment of the game in terms of what new thing I learned was basically Peyton Manning breaking down of how Aaron Rodgers does the 12-man. How he looks at it. He has a couple plays. He's not just running four verts. He's actually running plays. He analyzed it to just things you're comfortable with. Like getting a value meal at McDonald's. That was how... And, and like it was totally relatable. You're like, alright, yeah, old faithful. Just going back to what works. Going back to what you know. And it was, it was great, man. And that to me is like exactly what you need on Monday night. Monday night had so much, so many problems figuring out how do we get the right guys? What is the right combination? It was in front of their face. It was Peyton and Eli. Peyton and Eli doing this for a majority of the games for the next three years is an absolute delight. And they probably should be on ESPN. I'm not going to lie. They're starting to figure it out. It's going to, they're still learning. Like they need time. Our whole conversation in this podcast, right? Like they still struggle coming out of breaks. They they don't really say, all right, we're going to commercial, coming up, you know, we have third down or whatever. None, none of that shit. But what they did tonight is they basically made the game about 75 to 80, maybe 85% of the screen was the, the Packer game. And then the 15%, 10% was Peyton and Eli. And it was it was great. Like, I never thought, like, I was missing plays. I think I, the one play I missed was the kick return by Kylan Hill. Other than that, I don't think I missed a play or missed, like, a moment where I was like, what happened here? I guess the, when Adams burned the guy down the field, we there was a lot of confusion of how did this happen. So this basically goes against the Lions defense. But then they went back and they broke it down and talked through it a little bit. I love it. I, I fully, if you haven't watched it, they're doing it for Eagles Cowboys next week. Like, just watch it. And and I know now my wife's gonna be pretty pissed off because, like, I, again, I used to opt out of Mondays. Now I'm like, I kind of want if Peyton and Eli are on there, I at least want to watch a little bit of that. Like, I, it's great. They 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 just do a really good job with it. So. Kudos to them. I, I I thought it was awesome, and it did not disrupt my experience as a fan of one of the teams. Now, the Packers were losing. Would I have turned it? I don't know. Um, that that might be another story for another time. Uh, also a five-star, my dog Lily. Um, she joined us for the second half. I gave her a calf hoof uh, filled with peanut butter. 
And she was gnawing on that for most of the second half. And the Packers just kept winning, kept scoring points. I don't know if it's something I'm going to do for every game. But we're getting to that point now. A superstitious chalk is a real thing. Like, I also, by the way, I only drank Milwaukee beers tonight. And I drank, yeah, that, yeah, two, nope, take that back. I had a Madison beer tonight. I have Lone Girl uh, Italian beer, which was very good. And I also had a, a watermelon lime goes from 1840. That is easily one of the best fruit beers I've had in my life. I'm not even kidding. It is so fucking good. I wish I had more. I do not. But it, it's incredible. So I had had a Badger State Brewing one uh, last Sunday. So I was like, Green Bay beers, we're out. I had some Badger State in there. I was like, nope, we're not doing that. Did that. Then we went to the Old Faithful Miller Lite. And if you know anything about me, Miller Lite on game days is usually the way to go. And because I'm just trying to live my life a little bit differently, I used to kind of not be a beer guy on Sundays. But I'm trying to take it more of an approach of I'm not going to get so fucking hungover on or get so drunk on Saturdays that I can't enjoy Sunday a little bit. That's kind of been my new mantra, my new approach. Um, it's working so far. Well, and it also helped that today's Monday. And it also helped that I had a cold that knocked me on my ass. And you're probably like, oh, that's why you're congested. Yeah, it's terrible. So, but I've heard the Rassy voice sometimes plays. I don't know. Um, but let's continue on. I'm, I'm wasting time. Four stars. I got to give it up. This is kind of a tandem. I'm giving it to John Runyon and Eric Stokes. Both of those guys are probably going to start next week. They should. There's no reason why they shouldn't. John Runyon, Wally Pipped, Lucas Patrick. Lucas Patrick was not that sharp in week one. I felt like there was a lot of pressure coming from the middle. Um, Lucas Patrick left the game with a concussion. He was cleared to play, but the Packers decided to roll with Runyon, and that was the right decision. And I think John Runyon will be your left guard going forward. And then we'll see what they do once David Bakhtiari comes back. I wonder if Lucas Patrick gets a look at right guard now. Royce Newman, he was okay today. He had a couple holding calls on him. So maybe Lucas Patrick gets a look there. Um, but I don't see a way that John Runyon lost his starting spot. I don't think John Runyon should be replaced. And I think Runyon is up for the task against San Francisco and, and Pittsburgh. Like This is going to be a tough fucking couple weeks. But... I think Runyon's up for it. I'm not advocating to release Patrick by any sh- any way. I like Patrick. A Patrick Patrick is an Aaron Rodgers guy. B I think it's really valuable to have a guy who can play all the positions. Like he can play center, he can play both guards, he can play a little bit of tackle. I think if he has to, it's not his best position, but he can do it right. And that those are kind of guys you need on your offensive line. So. I still like Lucas Patrick. I just think John Runyon's better than him, and I don't know if he's better. I don't know if Royce Newman's better than Lucas Patrick, but I, it's a big test for Royce um, with San Francisco and Pittsburgh on the docket, and then Chicago and Washington. Like those are those are four pass rushes that are really fucking good in the next five weeks. So we're gonna know a lot about this Packer offensive line in the next month, basically. Also, Eric Stokes, guys, I told you. I, I wrote the article last week. I said, Eric Stokes needs to be starting immediately. Um, and I wasn't wrong. It aged beautifully. Like, that was exactly the point of the article. Was because I just 
felt like Kevin King had reached his peak as a player. We'll get to Kevin King in a second here. That I felt like Kevin King had plateaued. Maybe not peaked. That was the wrong word. Kevin King plateaued. Like, Kevin King was just who he was. He was a shitty football player. He didn't make any adjustments to his game. He didn't, like, gain any weight. He didn't try to get faster, get even leaner, which I don't even know if it's possible because he's a string bean as it is. But, like, he did nothing to change himself. He just was Kevin King again, and that was a problem. So Eric Stokes had a fourth, two fourth-down pass breakups. He was all over the field. He seemingly knows where to be. He covers well. I Again, like, I think you just take your fucking lumps with him. It's similar to, like, the quarterback discussions we hear with Justin Fields and other people. Totally two different positions, right? Don't get me wrong. But... There's no reason why you just can't have Eric Stokes out there. If Kevin King is as bad as he's been in the last two weeks, just have Eric Stokes out there. And like I said, I try out Gene, Saint, Gene Charles. I always do the same, guys. Gene Charles, like, he was inactive again today. Like, why not? Maybe not against San Francisco and Shanahan's offense, but, like, maybe start rolling that guy in. And we'll see. Maybe he's going to be thrown into action. Shannon Sullivan got hurt late in the game. We'll see what that injury is. But I just feel like you can get a lot more out of your secondary with Eric Stokes back there. And maybe Eric Stokes has moments where there's going to be some rookie mistakes. You just live with those. Would you? I guess here's my question, and I probably will tweet this out when Eric Stokes fucks up and if he's starting. Would you rather have Eric Stokes make a rookie mistake or Kevin King get burned again? Just ask yourself that question. That's what I would ask myself. Every time Eric Stokes had a had a bad play, because he's gonna have bad plays. Seventeen game season, it's football. You're never you're not gonna be a, a fucking defensive player of the year all year. And if you are, you win defensive player of the year. That's kind of how it works. That's that's why they have the award. Uh, also, shout out to Robert Tanyan, also four star. Tanyan got going today. Um, he only had three catches, but I felt like he was very efficient in what he was tasked to do like the tight end screen that the packers have is deadly like that is a lethal tight end tight end play that i think they picked up from the saints like the saints ran that on the packers a couple times and all of a sudden it became into the packers offense and i love that play for green bay like i think you can do that with big dog a little bit you might be a little slow our guy daphne we love daphne here on this podcast um, you could do it with all the guys. Josiah, if he's ready to go, like I think actually Josiah would be the the other Jace too. When Jace comes back, which Jace should be back this week, we'll see if Jace has a roster spot. Um, that'll be that'll be interesting for him. But regardless, I I thought Tanyan, you know, started to get into his groove with Rogers, and that's really important. The guy I think right now that we're missing. Uh, this is gonna spoil something for later. Oh, I'm not gonna say it. Okay. There is one guy that's kind of missing, actually two guys, um, that are missing their groove with Rodgers to start the season. So we'll see if those guys get on the same page as for weeks to come. Three stars, Devondre Campbell. Devondre Campbell had a classic three-star night. He had a classic chopsticks meal. It's the 2 a.m. Chinese bailout, right? Like his bailout uh, was getting that interception late, making a few tackles. He was involved in the mix especially down the stretch and in that second half. First half was abysmal. He had a terrible face-masking call. He got beat on a route by Hawkinson. Now, granted, there was a little bit of where you could have blamed the corner there for not sagging, as Manning pointed out on the broadcast. 
But Campbell just did not look any different than Christian Kirksey in the first half. Second half, a lot better. Second half was a improvement. And so again, time. Maybe it's just taking a little more time for Campbell to get involved into Barry's system. He also could be trash. We don't know. But if he's a solid tackler in the run game, I mean, the Lions did nothing on the ground today. Lions didn't do much on the ground. And if Campbell can be a force in that field, especially against San Francisco, that's going to be really vital to the Packers' success next week. So we'll see. But right now, three-star, and I would say I'm more on, like, the two-and-a-half-star with Campbell than I'm on, like, the three-and-a-half. Two stars, Joe Barry. So we talked a lot about Joe Barry already, so I won't do too much on it. I will just say San Francisco is a massive game for him. You're going up against Kyle Shanahan, one of the best fucking offensive minds in football. Everybody loves to come their pants about Kyle Shanahan. Like, seriously, I feel like... If somebody like a Warren Sharp talks about Kyle Shanahan, he's like ha- he's like so close to coming. Like that's how people revere Kyle Shanahan in like the analytical world. And I like Kyle Shanahan. Like don't get me wrong, I do think sometimes he's like he's like a tryhard Belichick. Like he's a cool guy Belichick. Like he has like the Aaron Rodgers like hang loose and but still with that Belichick like steel sort of iciness about him. I don't know. But anyways. That is a huge test for Joe Barry. Joe Barry tonight started to show us some things in that second half. When they brought pressure, when they were aggressive on defense, and they weren't allowing the dink and dunks, and they said, fuck the dink and dunks, the Packers were playing with a purpose. They finally looked like a team playing with a purpose in the second half. And that, to me, is really important going forward. That needs to be every night out. So... I really hope Barry looks at that second half and also compares it to the first half. What do we do in that first half versus what do we do in that second half and what changed? And how do we take the second half and we make that our defense going forward? It would be really awkward. I was thinking about this today. Or just actually right now. And, I, and I, like, I'm like i victim too. I, our guy Scott asked, is it time for Fire Joe Barry? I shot him the Larry David gif uh, from the Palestine Chicken episode, which... If you've never seen that episode of Curb, I mean, all-timer. But anyways, like, it, we we all were kind of down on Joe Barry. Like, if the Packers end up having, like, a top 10 defense in DVOA, there's going to be so many fucking tweets that we have to delete, guys. I'm not saying they will, okay? Like, don't get me wrong. But, like, there is a, a real fear that, like, you know, maybe they turn the corner. Who knows, right? Well... We'll see. We got a long way to go with that. Defensive line continues to be trash. Another two star. I'm just sick of this defensive line. Besides Kenny Clark, I I just don't know what you're getting out of Tyler Lancaster and Dean Lowry. And I really, I, I think you'll see TJ Shelton next week because of the way the Niners run the football. But get my guy Jack Heiflin into the game. Free Jack Heiflin. I'm telling you, he is better than Tyler Lancaster. I'm convinced of it. Okay, one star. Look, Kevin King, man. I don't know what we're doing anymore. I, I They try to move him into the slot. Nothing's working. I just, at some point, the Packers are just going to have to take the L. They're just going to finally have to admit that Kevin King is not working. This is obviously not working, um, which is something a girl said to my friend. Oh, I almost told an incriminating story. I thought about it, and I was like, ah, I could tell it. I could not. It's late. 
but uh, I'll save it. If you get me on a summer jam, like tell Mitch, like DM Mitch, like hey Charlie almost told me a story about it's obviously not working, and you 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 know what? Fuck it, I'm gonna tell a story. So I was gonna say okay, so it's obviously not working. I had a buddy who will remain nameless, who was fornicating with a girl and was having a little trouble uh, getting it up um, after a night of drinking. And she finally looked at him around 6 o'clock and goes, this is obviously not working. And I feel like that's where we're at with Kevin King. I know it's a weird comparison, but it's where we're at. It's not working. Nothing's working. Just get him in the car and send him on his way. It's done. Let some other team figure him out. He just doesn't fit here. I'm sorry. I, I wish she did. I, I, I was a Kevin King guy. The TJ Watt Kevin King discourse in two weeks is going to be fucking nauseating. I'm going to hate it, even if TJ Watt's not on the field. But it's time to cut bait. Also, one stars MVS, Alan Lazard. I, they just need to get on the same page with Rodgers. I think it's just going to take time. Unfortunately, they haven't worked with Rodgers a lot. I wonder if Randall Cobb is going to push for more snaps. Because Lazard and MVS really haven't got on that wavelength with Ryder. Now, granted, our, the, the counter to the MVS is that MVS had two touchdowns potentially if Rodgers hits him in stride. True, but MVS didn't do anything except run the deep, run, did the deep ball play twice. Right? You just need more out of him. And then, lastly, my last one star as we ride out of here. Rob Gronkowski and Brett Favre on the Peyton and Eli broadcast. Let's talk about Gronk first because Favre might be a little longer. Gronk, dude, like, just, I I, I know it's not, part of me is like, is it an act? I just hated his attitude. I thought he sounded like such a douchebag. Like, he was trying so hard. He was trying to rattle Peyton about some Tom Brady shit, like, I just, it rubbed me the wrong way. Like, I like Gronk. I've always liked Gronk. I mean, how can you fucking not like Gronk? But I just felt like he was such an ass. And I felt like he was so disruptive to the game. Like, he didn't want to talk about the game, which I get it. He's Gronk. He's a big, dumb idiot. I don't think he watches football. Like, I, I really don't. Like, I, and I knew guys who I played football with in Eau Claire who would not watch football. And it, the fact of the matter is, is like, I, I didn't need Gronk on that broadcast. Gronk is a guy who will get you social media likes. It'll get you attention. People will tune in for Gronk because they love Gronk. And he, I'm sure at some point, will be like this action hero star when he's like 45 or something. Like The Rock. But he's just such a dumbass. And I know he's a fake dumbass. Like, I think it's all for show. I really do. Like, I mean, Edelman's talked about how he's one of the smartest guys he's ever met. So, like, I just... And, like, when he got, like, serious, when they they reined him in and got him serious, like, he was insightful, but it, it's it's hard. Like, at some point, Gronk just wants to yell out 69 or piss shit. Like, that's what Gronk is. And then Favre, oh, man. So Favre, A, was supposed to come out of the first quarter. Doesn't come out. I think, and I, I didn't make too big of a deal of it, I'm glad I didn't. I thought, okay, they got a ton of backlash from people who were like, Favre is this Trump guy, like, how can you put him on? Like, basically the outrage mafia was out in, like, full force that Favre was being on the show. And then Favre shows up. He's late. 
he admits during the broadcast, like, how the Lions score their points? I wasn't watching the first half. Like, what the fuck, dude? And, and like, he was he was talking over guys, like, didn't understand how it worked. Like, he was just a mess. And, I, and you know, I felt like it would be so much better. Like, I knew Peyton and him probably had a little bit of a relationship. No. There was no chemistry at all. Like, Let's stick to the guys who are playing in the NFL right now. Like, it'd be awesome if they get Rodgers on the broadcast next week. Like, that would be really cool. Because I feel like it'd be awesome to recap last week, talk about Dallas and Philly. You know, you're you're not you're not playing either of them. Oh, actually, you get Rodgers, Dallas, Philly, and Hawk McCarthy, too. Oh, my God. That would be – that's must-watch, right? But any young quarter – like, I, fuck, I'd listen to Ryan Tannehill. I don't think Ryan Tannehill is that exciting – but I'd listen to Ryan Tannehill talk for a little while. Uh, Josh McCown, as long as he's not talking about how porn is a sin, I forget which. I think that's the McCown. Like, I think he's a high school coach. I think I've heard him on Rasilla's podcast. He's really good. Like, get some of those guys on there. Get one of, why don't you get Jim Sorgi on there, Peyton's backup. Who's one of Eli's backups? I don't even know. I don't know who Eli's backup was. But, like, get those guys on. To me, like... As much as like I want to hear from Brett Favre and he's a legend, you have to get guys who understand the technology. And if they don't get the technology, it's not going to work. And I think that was the problem with Favre. And I thought it was embarrassing for him. It, it, full transparency. Like I just thought it was it was just a, a bad outing for Favre. And Favre didn't get to play the hits. And I think because he didn't get to play the hits, he sucked. And and yeah, it was just it was not a. Not a good good night for your boy Farvey. That wraps up the show. God, we talked for like forty minutes, huh? You know, forty almost yeah, about forty. I enjoy these, man. I, I wish the Packers weren't playing on primetime so much, but they're always fun to do. I always like chatting with the people. Um, hope you guys do as well. We will be back tomorrow. We will get ready for Packers Niners. We will also talk about the Brewers. Hopefully, they can kind of cool down the Cardinals. They've won nine straight. Um, not good. And we'll also kind of get ready for Badgers Notre Dame. Uh, we'll talk about that as well. Um, so all a lot of things to focus on. And then Wednesday night, or well, Thursday, so it'll be the Thursday podcast, Mitch and I back in it, tapping the keg. Um, we're talking rivalries um, in lieu of the San Francisco Milwaukee or San Francisco, Milwaukee, San Francisco, Green Bay, but also it works with Milwaukee and St. Louis also playing. So that will be the Thursday pod. Friday, we'll get back to the betting previews, whether it be for the Packers as well as the Badgers, wild line for that. And then Sunday night, I'll be back here doing a late show with you guys again after Packers 49ers. All right, take care of yourselves. Have a great Tuesday, and we'll be back tomorrow. See you. Bye.